Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to Soul Food, a podcast of conversations that are good for the soul. My name is Melody, and I am so glad that you have chosen to tune in and join me this week. I hope you are enjoying a great beginning to your fall, enjoying that crisp 80 degree weather, depending on where you are here, it's like 80 degrees still. So anyways, (laughs) um, today I wanted to talk about spiritual disciplines. This is something that has just been brought before me, honestly, through um, professors and pastors and readings and just being with God and something I've been thinking about and I'm really excited to share with you. So I hope you enjoy and learn from it. Um, Yeah, you're rocking it, friends. Keep it up. Let's do this. This past week, I have been thinking about and hearing sermons about and reading about spiritual disciplines. So, you've probably heard of spiritual disciplines. They are things that we do to discipline ourselves spiritually, right? Wow, great insight. That's it. The episode's over. Oh gosh, okay, no. Um, Yeah, spiritual disciplines. Things like prayer, reading the Bible, meditation, fasting, um, worship, and gathering in the church setting, all these different things are things we do to, um, that we practice regularly or are called to practice regularly um, as followers of Christ. And something I've been kind of thinking about is there's this tension, right? I think a lot of us can fall into one of two camps. So the first one, we are living in obligation, guilt, and we're doing these things these spiritual disciplines because we feel like we should. Or some of us have completely abandoned being disciplined spiritually because we feel like we don't really need to. Maybe for one, it's just laziness or maybe it's, you know, grace. Like the Lord is with me. He loves me. What's the point? Like don't really need to. And it's hard. It takes a lot of effort. It takes time. It feels impractical, Um, but then again, when is the gospel ever practical, really? I think this is such an interesting tension, and I think in some ways I fall into both sides. So the obligation, guilt, should side. Should, for me, is dangerous. (laughs) I've realized that I often confuse the voice in my head that says this is what you should do as the voice of discipline in my life. So when I'm eating a meal and there are brownies and dang, that looks good. Like I want to eat one for dessert. That'd be so nice. And then this voice that comes that says, no, you shouldn't. Okay. Um, that. I would think is like, oh, that's me being disciplined. Well, in some ways, yes, but I've seen for myself how this has formed really negative, um, this has had negative ramifications in my life in terms of my relationships with food or just doing different things where it 
becomes one of this voice telling me, oh, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. And so I'm just operating of what I tell myself I should be doing. And I think that can be really dangerous to confuse that voice of what you should or shouldn't do with the voice of discipline. And in some ways, right, we do have to have control. We can't always just do what we want to do. But I think there's also that distinction between what I want to do versus what I'm telling myself I should do. I think those things are different. So next, having being someone who's abandoned spiritual disciplines, this other side of the coin, I've realized that I think a lot of us have done this to at least some extent, whether we want to admit it or not. I think um, in reading this book, it's called Life Together by Bonhoeffer, and we're reading it for my mission, the church class at school, and it is so good. We just started, and I already would highly recommend it. Um, but this is what he says when he is talking about, basically, let me set it up for you. So he has started a school, a seminary for students, and basically this is his book to them about what he's hoping um, their community will be at the seminary. And he's basically in this chapter called the day together, he's talking about the importance of gathering for communal prayer, worship, and scripture reading every morning. And here he begins talking about the discipline of reading scripture. So he says, if it is really true, that it is hard for us as adult Christians to comprehend a chapter of the Old Testament in its context, then that can only fill us with profound shame. What kind of testimony is that to our knowledge of the scriptures and all our previous readings of them? If we were familiar with the substance of what we read, we could follow the reading of a chapter without difficulty, especially if we have an open Bible in our hands and are reading it at the same time. However, since that is not the case, we must admit that the Holy Scriptures are still largely unknown to us. Can the sin of our own ignorance of God's Word have any other consequence than that we should earnestly and faithfully recover lost ground and catch up on what we have missed? So, this was interesting. He's telling us that if we are reading a chapter of Scripture, so... The pastor says, flip to Jeremiah 29, and we're trying to find it. We can't even find it in our Bible, and we're looking at the um, front to find, like, where even is Jeremiah? Is that, like, is that before Psalms? I don't even know. And then we are reading 29, chapter 29, and we just have no idea of, like, where we are in the Bible. We just are a little lost. We're just kind of entering into a chapter, reading it, but really don't know what's happening. Or maybe we're just kind of passively hearing the scripture, but we're not really even aware of where we are in relation to the context of the story of God in scripture. And Bonhoeffer is telling us that if that is the case as an adult who has been a believer and a follower of Christ for years now, I'm 21 and I've grown up in a Christian family and I accepted the Lord into my heart, I think when I was like six, I've been following the Lord for a while now. I've been 
having access and having people read scripture to me and reading scripture myself and attending church for years. And if I still am not familiar with scripture enough to be able to find texts and to know what the text is saying in different contexts, then he's saying I should feel shame. I should be ashamed of that. Ashamed of my lack of knowledge of scripture. And I think our re, I don't know, at least for me, the gut reaction is to be like, what? Like shame, shame is bad. Shame is from the enemy. No. And maybe shame is not the correct word. Perhaps maybe guilt. But I think his point still rings true. And I think it's something a lot of us tend to ignore or bypass because we don't want to feel guilt. We don't want to admit that we should know more scripture than we do. We ought to be better readers of scripture than we are, more thorough. And this is something the Lord has convicted me of is I've had access to scripture. I've read it my whole life. And yet, I'll be honest, sometimes I feel like I'm just stumbling around with my Bible. Have you ever had that moment where the pastor says, to flip to some book and you don't even know you you're like in the entire wrong section you just feel so embarrassed in that moment <laughs> and this doesn't mean that um we should be condemned in this by any means like condemnation's not from god but i think that guilt of acknowledging our sin is something from god i think this saying the lord's convicted me of is that somebody who has had the access to scripture that I have had for as long as I have had it, I should be more knowledgeable of scripture than I am. And that is something that's a sin and something I've this week been confessing and praying about with God, like just mourning, like, Lord, I'm so sorry. Like wishing that I knew scripture more than I do. I mean, do you know those people who just seem to know where everything is in the Bible and can just give you a verse for a situation and just all these things? And it's such an incredible gift and it's something I want, but for me, it's just like, oh, that's just kind of spiritual gift. Like people have it or they don't, it's okay if that's not me. Okay, to some of us, some of us that may come more naturally, but that is something developed through our discipline. Not, necessi- not necessarily something that just happens to us. And so I think in all these things, evaluating our life of scripture reading, our life of prayer, our life of meditation in the word of God, and all these things, evaluating ourselves honestly enough to know, God, I am sorry because I have not been disciplined as I should have been. And because of that, I am lacking in my knowledge of you. And I've lived content with that and okay with that for so long. Because how many of us can say, like, list our favorite celebrities or sports teams or the Marvel Universe things? I don't even know. But how many of us know these random facts with all these different aspects and spheres of life? But then when it comes to scripture, we're just a bit unknowledgeable. (laughs) We have short attention spans. And I think that's something we should mourn. Something we should confess. 
And something we should feel that guilt for, not so that we just feel guilty, not so that we just feel like, again, that we are obligated and we should read scripture more. I should know more than I do. It's not for that purpose. But we enter then into spiritual disciplines not to prove our belovedness, not to feel self-righteous, and not so God is then obligated to be good to us. What if we entered into spiritual disciplines with the reassurance and knowledge that we are already his beloved, that Christ has already made us righteous, and that God is already good? How would that free us from living in obligation, guilt, and this should mentality when it comes to reading our Bible or prayer or worship or just anything in relation to the Lord and yet not abandoning spiritual disciplines, not flipping to this totally other side that says, well, I don't want to feel obligated, so I don't need to do it. Like, you know, that's, no. And I think that's something the Lord has been changing as me is if the Lord has given you this guilt that about and this conviction of your lack of knowledge of him and your lack of spiritual discipline that's not so that you then are doing it in this mentality of what you should be doing but it is a conviction that's increasing your hunger for it which is such a gift from God later on um, Bonhoeffer says, let me find it. Okay, so then he goes more into this reading of scripture and why we do it. Oh, goodness gracious, did I lose my place? That would be so sad. I will find it. Um, so he's going more into the reading of scripture and why we do it. And this is something that my professor was talking about. So I was like, oh my goodness. Like, why? What's the purpose of reading the scripture? What's the purpose of prayer? What's the purpose of worship? What's the purpose of meditation? Like, why do we do all these things? If I'm already his beloved, so I'm not doing this to earn God's love in any way. Like, I'm already free. I'm already loved. I can't be more loved by God than I am before I even enter into my life set aside time with God, like entering into his presence, spiritual disciplines, like I'm already loved. I'm already declared his own. I'm already saved. And God isn't going to be good to me just because of what I do for him. Like he doesn't need anything for me. So then why do we do it? And in the context of reading scripture, something my professor was saying to us was that we don't read scripture so that we can walk away from it with some nugget of truth for our day, something to apply to our day, but so that we can apply ourselves to scripture. We read scripture for the end of scripture. We don't read scripture for the end of having some truth to walk away with, some application point. And when we experience this shift in our mindset, we realize why we even enter into spiritual disciplines. Bonhoeffer says, all this is not mere reverie, 
but holy divine reality. And he is talking about reading scripture. We are uprooted from our own existence and are taken back to the holy history of God on earth. There, God has dealt with us, and there God still deals with us today, with our needs and our sins, by means of the divine wrath and grace. What is important is not that God is a spectator and participant in our life today, but that we are attentive listeners and participants in God's action in the sacred story, the story of Christ on earth. God is with us today only as long as we are there. A complete reversal occurs here. It is not that God's help and presence must still be proved in our life. Rather, God's presence and help have been demonstrated for us in the life of Jesus Christ. It is in fact more important for us to know what God did to Israel and God sent Jesus Christ than to discover what God intends for us today. The fact that Jesus Christ died is more important than the fact that I will die. And the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead is the sole ground of my hope that I too will be raised on the day of judgment. Our salvation is from outside ourselves. I find find salvation not in my life story, but only in the story of Jesus Christ. Only those who allow themselves to be found in Jesus Christ and the incarnation, cross, and resurrection are with God and God with them. Oh my goodness, how beautiful is that? It's not about, I don't know. I think a lot of times we enter into spiritual disciplines with this mindset of God proving himself to us. Like, God, I'm coming to you so that you can prove to me that you are here and you're with me today so that I believe that for the rest of my day that you're with me. Um, Like, I need you to kind of show up, you know? Like, give me that, um, give me that reassurance. But here it's saying it's not that God's help and presence needs to be still proven. We don't enter into it for God to prove himself for us. We enter into it so that we can be made aware that God's presence and help have already been demonstrated for us. It's not about making God's narrative relevant to my life. It's not about making God's narrative relevant to your life. It's about making my life and your life relevant to God's narrative. When we come to follow Christ, we become slaves of Christ. And in doing so, I've given up my story. I have freely given up my own narrative and identity so that I can be entirely his, so that I might enter into his story. And so that his story might be my story, so that I I can die with him and maybe raised with him. That is following Christ. And so, we enter into spiritual disciplines not to, not out of obligation or because we should do it. In the end, God loves you. He loves me the same. Whether we do any of it today. 
whether we do any of it for the rest of our lives. He's already called us his own. But the Lord, my prayer is that he would convict us of the ways in which we have gone about spiritual disciplines half-heartedly and with a lack of commitment to him in such a way that is only to our firm and to make better our own life stories and so that we can feel good. Instead, we need to recognize that Jesus has changed everything. His life has changed everything. And so my story, it doesn't matter anymore now that I know Christ. That is the story I want to be about. And so I'm going to be disciplined, not because I should, but because I need to know this story that is my story. That's the only way I can enter into it is if I know it and enter into who he is. Like, I want to give up my story. If we're really going to take up our cross and follow Christ, then that means crucifying ourselves. Then that means I'm no longer my own. And we should be motivated in that to be faithful from the freedom we have in the grace of God. We go into spiritual disciplines not to earn love, but to enter into that love. We go into spiritual disciplines, we pray, we read our Bible, not so that God's presence would be with us, but to enter into that presence. We don't go into spiritual disciplines so that we can feel self-righteous. God has already made us righteous. God has already proven his love for us, his presence with us. He has demonstrated all that in the life of Christ in his word. And so, as we read it, as we pray and seek God, as we worship him, it's not to just bring... I don't know, it's not just so that our stories can be made better by him. It's so that we can totally enter into his story so that his story can be our story. That is why we do spiritual disciplines. And so my prayer is that this week, that the Lord would convict us and show us where it is that we have abandoned entering into his story for the sake of our own comfort, our own laziness, our own pride, 
for our own stories. Lord, help us lay them down so that we might take up your story as our own. Amen.